2: Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today for another beautiful segment of Spiritual Insights. Our guest today has an amazing journey to share. Catherine Agronovich, PhD, and her husband, Felix, atheist Jewish refugees from Soviet Russia, made the United States their home so they could pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Her parents joined them, as well as her grandparents, who in the earlier part of their 67-year marriage were separated for four years during the war. They survived the Holocaust, however, their two young sons and other family members did not. Dr. Catherine's family's humble, tragic, yet magical journey will help you see your own family ties in a whole new way and inspire you to willingly take a path of self-awareness, forgiveness, faith, and trust in God. It will make you laugh and cry, but it will leave you a changed person as your awareness of family expands beyond roles, struggles, and personalities to lead you to embrace the growth of your soul. Just because Catherine's ancestors reside on the other side of the veil does not mean they are no longer part of the family. Today we'll hear astonishing accounts of how Dr. Catherine and her husband underwent a powerful spiritual transformation as they made every effort to be successful in life and cope with life's heartbreaks while welcoming additional family members into their otherworldly family dynamic, as she describes them in her book, Tales of My Large, Loud, Spiritual Family, Finding Peace, Purpose, and Healing in the Chaos of Daily Life. The book offers hope, courage, and inspiration to any parent committed to raising their children as spiritual beings. It will mystify you, enchant you, and will change your view of average family dynamics through the eyes of the eternal soul, as it did for me. Catherine is a doctor of philosophy in natural health studies, a hypnotherapist, speaker, reconnective healing practitioner, and the founder of Achieve Health Center in California. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show, Catherine Agronovich, PhD. Hi, Catherine. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Yes. Hi, Charlotte. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
2: You're so welcome. I I want to tell you how when I got, first got your book, I began it at around 7:30 in the morning on a Sunday, and I could not put it down. Your writing style is amazingly lyrical. You're funny and thought-provoking. And I wanted to ask, what has the reaction been so far? Is it similar to mine?
1: Yeah, very much so. Everybody who starts reading the book, it's like obsession, addiction. They cannot put it down. It's like as if this book takes them in. and. Everybody is experiencing the insights and breakthroughs of their own through my journey and my family's struggles and insights. They connect to their own inner wisdom. And even my family, which actually I was petrified, they had no idea I'm writing about them and the family and what's going on. All of this, they had no idea. My parents, my husband, they, they did not know. My older kids. So I was extremely scared but they just blessed me with this gift of acceptance and unconditional love without a tint of judgment. And they had even deeper healings after reading this book. Like my mom, her chronic migraines disappeared. My father, Mm -hmm. he started smoking way less. My husband had a series of dreams about his partner, Victor, healing dreams, transformational good. dreams, where he was able to completely let go of, you know, the, the experience. Any conflict between them. yeah.
2: Good, good.
1: Yeah, wow. and even people who are not spiritual, who are not religious, they embark on this journey with me, and they discover their own view on spirituality and connect right. to their own inner wisdom.
2: But that's how it even starts out in Chapter 1, you begin to describe your humble beginnings in Russia and having to overcome prejudice and rejection because of your Jewish heritage. And I wanted to ask, when you moved here, did you speak English at all or did you have to learn it after becoming a U.S. citizen?
1: I did not speak a word of English. My husband, he was studying English for two years back in Russia while our paperwork was being processed for, okay. uh, by both embassies, um, Russian and American. I didn't. I was busy in my med college and with a baby. So when we got here, he was teaching me. He would give me assignments, 30 words a day to memorize, and I would go okay. ahead and memorize them. So would, you know, test me on Vocabulary,
2: those. okay. Well, Vocabulary. you sure the language. You, My kids still
1: make fun of me.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> they still, it's not how you say it, Mom. Yeah.
2: Oh, no. But that's endearing, I think. It reminds you oh, of... Oh, that's
1: cute. I encourage Ziva. them. Please let yeah, them know. I want to I learn.
2: Ziva from NCIS, and, and it's just that, I think that's charming. But just yeah. the way you write is so beautiful that um, I don't think that's a problem really anymore. Um, I wanted to ask you, with regard to the prejudice that you endured in your childhood, yeah. early adulthood, you wanted to go to med school, one roadblock after another, and you really stuck to your guns, you really dug in your heels, and you were determined to become a doctor, which you yeah. have accomplished. With regard to prejudice and all that's entailed with that, we know a lot has improved in the world. But do you yourself really see a major change with regard to discrimination? Well,
1: the world will never be a perfect place. It's always going to be a contrast and a conflict. However, I am discovering my purpose and my inner peace and confidence and knowing of my value and my worth in this world. And the more I transform those beliefs formed back in Russia, being Jewish, something's wrong with me, and I am lesser than I am, and I don't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, those fears. The more I let it go, the more I bring peace in the world, in some mm-hmm. way, in some way. So that becomes my work, focusing inside of me. These days, I don't feel, I don't feel that. Sometimes I get grabbed and I don't belong, but I need to remind myself I do belong. I do belong. (laughs) I'm worthy to be in this world, and I do belong. And once I remind myself and keep reinforcing that, the fear just disappears.
2: Yes. As you peel away those layers of fear, it'll happen less and less. And when it does, it's another opportunity to forgive at a deeper level. And in our language, it's all well and good. It's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we are doing our job here to bring this knowing and understanding into the world of duality, right?
2: Absolutely. Well, as a young bride and new mother, you came to the U.S., became a citizen, and your family continued to grow. It all seems, I want to use the word normal, but some twists and turns took place that put you on a conveyor belt that you couldn't seem to escape. It's it's kind of funny because, as, as I read it, being so deeply involved in these topics, it kind of made me smile like this poor woman because you went from an atheistic view and yeah. a world, you know, a world I want to be successful. I want to um, do this and you meet your husband. That whole yeah. chapter was really magical because it was just that you know you were destined to be together and he seems like right. a wonderful man. And then you welcomed, after you came to the United States, you welcomed your daughter Jessica to the world. Right. Unfortunately, you had to postpone medical school. And four years later, you found yourself on a terrible roller coaster when Jessica was diagnosed with a blood disorder. Right. My question, looking back, do the dots connect in a way that meeting the healer that ultimately did heal Jessica, did that transform what you describe as being an atheist into an open-minded seeker?
1: Yeah, I had to. I was so desperate trying to heal her i was so desperate and Mm -hmm. since medical model did not give me any answers they were going to cut her spleen out and put her on um steroids shots for the rest of her life it was just devastating Mm -hmm. to me yeah i had to become open open open-minded and explore other options i didn't care if i personally believed or not i just had to follow there's something more and i want to investigate i want to educate myself and learn and years later when i look back the whole illness it just totally served the purpose of turning me around and putting me on my soul's purpose not what my what i want you know on my true journey and i appreciate it so so deeply and i know when the illness serves its purpose it disappears yes there is no need to come back and reoccur, and the, the teaching has been done. I got the message. I got the point. Yeah.
2: You got the yeah. point because... Um, I got the
1: point. I had you.
2: Yeah, and Because now you're a PhD, and you learn to balance bi- mind, body, and spirit, and now you're helping to heal others. Right. So, right. absolutely. I love the way you put that once the point is um, understood the illness disappears. These are all teaching devices that life uses to help us. And in the book you say, no matter your level of pain, whether it's emotional, mental, I call it PEMS levels, physical, emotional, (laughs) mental, and spiritual. That's what I just like abbreviations because I would have to type that so often. But on on all those levels, we all experience something. And now you're doing your part through hypnosis and balancing all of those levels to help a human being Cultivate, like we say in my introduction, cultivate peace in their lives. And that's a beautiful calling. Yes, yes, perfect. Mm. Well, your daughter is obviously gifted. There are several instances throughout the book which I want to talk about without kind of giving away the magical essence of it. But um, your daughter, Jessica, um, she's funny. Uh, She demonstrates at your grandmother's funeral. I'm sorry to hear about her passing. Yeah. but your daughter actually saw your grandmother at her funeral, and that kind of was a pivotal moment for you as well, was it not?
1: Yes, it was very confusing. Mom, don't cry. Grandma is hugging you, and she's all around you, and she's kissing you. She's okay. She's alive. She's still here with us. Please don't cry, Mommy. And I was just petrified. My daughter is hallucinating, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know my medical yeah. trained mind assigned the label yeah. of diagnosis immediately' Exactly.
2: At this point, <laughs> so good at immersed. that yeah you're still immersed in science, so when these things happen, and it's funny throughout the book because you demonstrate that you are scientifically based, and now you're yeah. trying to stretch yourself to embrace right. the spiritual aspects that are now arriving with who do I lean on yeah. You know? Oh, my God. Well, you started to get messages in the form of urges. I love this. If you would tell us a little bit about it, you were told to turn on the TV, and yeah. that led to a message to go get a massage because you were so... At this point, um, there were things happening in your family. But tell us how being told to turn on the TV was actually the answer mm-hmm. you needed to what you were going through at the time.
1: Right. After my daughter's illness... Um, and my grandma passed away, who was my like second mom. We were very close. She was a very special lady. I started having severe panic attacks, and they kept me awake at night. And one particular night, I was just so weak, so paralyzed by fear and gloom, just so deep, so not well, so you know, detached from aliveness. Right. I got this inspiration to go upstairs in the family room and turn on the TV. And I'm thinking, how can I even, I cannot even walk. How can I go? That's absurd. I'm not doing it. Why would I turn on TV? It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. I don't do mm-hmm. that. I'm going to take my volume and go back to sleep. With, you know. mm-hmm. But something just gave me strength, and I got up. I walked upstairs. I turned TV, and there was this lady, Carolyn Miss. She was talking about spiritual awakening, dark night of the soul, and all of these mystical concepts which I had no idea what she was talking about. I did not Mm -hmm. know the words, what they meant. But it made me feel better. The whole conversation I was looking and listening, it gave me this sense of peace and hope that there is this energy of all rightness somewhere on another side of my pain. And what I am going through has a purpose, has a meaning, and it will end. And I ordered those, um, you know, the tapes, the tapes, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then another speaker spoke, I think Chopra and somebody else, one after another, they were saying about about, uh, spirituality and awakening and the journey of awakening, Mm -hmm. and that just changed my life. That got me very curious. It gave me hope that my mind could not find in three-dimensional with my five senses, I could not find this hope but something wiser and greater that introduced me to this hopefulness and inspiration to keep on going and keep on reaching and looking. Yes. And then I got inspired to go get a massage which uh, I've never had massage back in Russia and for me it was awkward. I don't know the person. Somebody's going to touch me and I need to address. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I, I, like yeah, I don't like it
2: personally. I don't like it at yeah, all.
1: I know, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so i go to the spa and they tell me the person who was going to do your massage she called in sick and i'm thinking oh good yes i don't i I can you know
2: forget it i don't have to do this (laughs) i don't have to
1: you know i'm gonna just pretend it's never happened it's all right with me but the person as soon as i am about to walk out she said no 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 there is somebody else we called and she's coming to do your massage you're okay you're fine proceed to your room and I don't know. Oh,
0: man. It's like a setup. It had to be,
1: it's a setup. And when Seriously. this masseuse, yeah, she starts off the wall telling me your deceased grandma is here and she's sending you her love and you have something of hers. It's her shawl uh, with bright flowers and woolen shawl, which I do have it till this mm-hmm. day. And then she's saying something about the baby in my something field, you know, aortic field. I just looked at her, and it's like one thought in my head, run fast.
2: I, in the and, one, you said, and you sit straight up, completely. It's easy, yet, yeah. you're at your exposed torso, like, what did you just say, baby? Because you're trying not yeah. to have another baby. You want to get back to medical school, and you have yeah. two children. You're taking care of them, the home, the husband, and... Yeah. To get your and, and I have those class. panic
1: attacks, you know. I'm not well. How can I even, what absurdity you are saying, who are you? Yeah, so that was interesting.
2: Yeah, it was. But um, eventually that baby did arrive, and that it got your husband on board, I think, because he started having dreams.
1: Not me. Somebody else did. They did. They
2: did. So it they got you did. A, look a little bit, because he had a dream about holding a baby boy and was like huh. Yeah. Eh. That was weird. Okay. Then she says this, but the way you even got the message to go get the massage, which yeah. then put you right where you needed to be to open your mind further. And I just want to point out to the audience that when you got this urge to turn on the TV and turn it to a certain channel, which was channel 22, um, yeah. you realized that afterwards that it was channel 22, and that was a channel that you did not subscribe to with your cable. We pack. did not
1: even have. Yeah, we did not have this channel. When I told my husband in the morning, he's like, we don't have this channel. But I saw, he turned it on, and it's just this blair, you know. Snow. The,
2: and, mm-hmm. okay, I guess I'll make another appointment with a doctor or a psychiatrist and find out what's right. wrong well with I felt bad. Get
1: my prescription refilled, right. right. It, it, uh,
2: up the dosage. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Double it,
2: please, yeah. There you go. And, okay, so then, short time later, you learn that you are, in fact, pregnant with a baby boy. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, you with your daughter's illness, she had this um, terrible uh, blood disorder and you got very passionate about um, health and eating healthy and it kind of put you kind of in the deep end with, with the obsession. And I know we all have fears and phobias, yeah. um, but often, we not often, 99% of the time we have no idea how they originated. I know we can pinpoint in this lifetime that I could say, okay, well, in, when I was six years old, I had this experience at church that had a negative effect on me sure. and told me that going to church is a negative experience, which certainly isn't true. It's, it's how you react to it that yes. counts. Um, but you knew you were obsessed with feeding your children and didn't know what to do, but it, would, it got to the point where even your oldest child said, you've got to stop. I think at this point you're trying to feed the, overfeed the baby. Yeah. Tell yeah. us how bad that obsession was and how a flyer from psychiatrist Brian Weiss became your ticket to release from that obsession.
1: Yeah, when they're little, even when it comes to my pets, my poor dog and my cat, when they're little, I just chase them with the food. This inner urge to feed them out of fear, they're not going to make it, they're not going to survive, they're so fragile. And it's a possessive obsession. When they turn Two, two and a half, it goes away. So, uh, and my family knows it. It's just they just make fun of me, or they just just they have to remove me from the baby with, you know, the the food. But um, then I received this invitation to attend um, Brian Way's workshop. He's a psychiatrist, and he mm-hmm. conducts past life regression workshops. And I had no idea about that, but it. It struck my curiosity, and I was inspired. And I told my husband, he's like, you should go. He, you should go. definitely go. He was Push like so hopeful the they can fix me. Yeah, please, go. Just
0: and, go. <laughs> yes. So
1: <laughs> he relaxed us, uh, and I saw my past life. And it was, I was present. I was awake and alert, but I had this intense vision with highly charged emotion that I was in Geta concentration camp during the war, and I had a tiny infant next to me crying from starvation, and I was, you know, pale and extremely weak myself, and the baby dies in my arms from starvation. Once I realized what had happened, I also realized right now, in this moment, in my present-day reality, it's not true. It doesn't apply. I am my kids and myself we are well fed and there are plenty of food. Plenty of food. I can relax now. And after this realization about ninety percent of this phobia just disappeared. I was just okay. And I allowed to trust my children's uh, their body wisdom, are you hungry? What were you hungry for? How does it feel right. in your belly? I was able to start, yeah, a different, absolutely, approach to feeding, kind of intuitive and spiritual eating. After this breakthrough yeah. that I am all right, I am safe, they are safe, there are a lot to eat, we are safe.
2: How did you feel with that? With Because what happens, I just want the listeners to understand what we understand to be true. I've, I've had numerous clients where I've had to tap into a past life. I'm a psychic medium for anyone who is new to the show. And we get into past life issues and something like that, especially when it comes to motherhood, it's especially powerful. And you can't feed your baby. You have nothing to give the baby. The baby yeah. dies in your arms. And the thoughts that reverberate in your mind become like an oath. I will never let my children go hungry again, that supersedes the conscious, rational mind in a future life. And that is why you couldn't stop feeding the children. But once you get an opportunity to touch and see it, acknowledge it, accept it, and release it, that is when we can really move forward in our lives and achieve a higher level of happiness. How did you... That had to be startling for you. I feel I felt bad for you because you were taking such a crash course in this stuff, yeah. where I had metered doses throughout childhood until I became oh, nice. a professional at it. So I kind of I was kind of groomed for it. But you, it's okay, Catherine. Your life is this way. And yeah. at the age, I am totally shoved
1: into awakening and enlightenment. Just shoved yeah. into it. Yeah. In, totally. In
2: what, what I guess is your mid twenties, and boom, here you go. Here's your new reality. Was it difficult to ease into this or did you feel really um almost betrayed or how did, you, how did you feel i don't want to give you word
1: very extreme contrast very my ego was fighting and my family who was not awakened at that time i was a, a weirdo like what yes. are you talking about it was extremely difficult which who do i believe what my mother said, what my society said, or do I believe this new sense of intuitive guidance I'm receiving from within? What is true? What is real? Who, who to trust? And it took years to establish this balance and trust into my own inner guidance. Hmm.
0: I don't know easy.
1: why my spirit decided to introduce me to the whole concept this way, um, but I also learned to appreciate and acknowledge myself for my journey, and not fight it. Why did it happen this way? Why you know? I don't do that anymore. It happened because it happened. It was meant to happen because, and that's why it happened. And so, right.
2: It's right. <laughs> it happened, and I learned definitely. to trust my
1: spirit. It probably was the best approach, and I am okay. the one who apparently agreed to it before. Right.
2: And- Ultimately, for your highest good. No matter what form, I'm big on content and form. We all have to learn. We will all experience pain, sadness, grief, joy, contentment. But no matter the content, it will look different to all of us. And this Mm. was the only way to get through for you to make those strides at soul level to get you to that growth. Well, you made that stride, you were so fascinated by your experience of learning that the unconscious memory of a baby dying from starvation was behind your fear of your children starving, even though the cabinets, the refrigerator were stocked full of food. And there really was no chance. Your husband was successful, a successful engineer. No chance your children are going to starve. So this comes from a place of not knowing and yet all important to prevent something from happening. But going to this workshop inspired you to learn how to do hypnosis yourself. Right. And get a Ph.D. in healing. That's right. exciting.
1: Yeah. It just it fascinated me. Working with the mind, it just fascinated me. I read all Brian Waste's books, and I attended uh, over two years of uh, course on hypnosis and mind and al- alchemical hypnosis, emotional, psychological, all kinds. It just fascinates me. Yes. And I do believe most of, most of our issues, they are created by the mind, by the human mind.
2: I call them psycho-spiritual
1: uh, yeah. causes,
2: and then the effects <laughs> are in our thoughts, our behaviors, our emotions, and most importantly, our body, and like we said earlier, the body is a reflection of the mind. Once you get For it, sure. the For message, sure. then the body it's will It's just adjust- a manifestation.
1: Adjust- exactly. It's just a manifestation. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. So, so look to your body. Do you help people in your sessions that, okay, this one presents with this pain or migraines or this disease or this um, invisible injury? Because in past lives, and your daughter experienced this, we can be hurt or killed, and that part of the body is affected in this life. I've had several clients um, who had that. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can find healing from the inexplicable in their lives.
1: Right. Well, I rarely focus on the illness, the diagnosis of the problem. I just briefly educate myself, and then I move on to the root cause of the emotional-based root cause. How does it make you feel? What are the emotions? They brought, like in my own past life, when the baby died in my arms, I brought into this lifetime emotion of helplessness and despair. And they would manifest through my lifetimes, through my daughter's illness, through medical school, the same emotion which was not converted into power and freedom. It was repeating over and over in different circumstances through my lifetime until it was time for me to pay attention and recreate this emotion. So this is what I do with my clients. We recreate the emotion behind the problem. We talk about childhoods. We talk about their fears and concerns, their worries. And once we address one at a time and we recreate them, the disease or whatever issue, the extra weight or the habit or phobia, it just disappears on its own. Once mm. they're reconnected to, their, to the core of their being, which is extremely high vibration of their spirit, the spirit just melts away all of those mental blockages, and the body having enough life force in the present moment, it just heals itself, and it may seem as fast and spontaneous, but it takes work to unwrap them layer by layer from their human conditioning and all of those emotions and beliefs that they made up lifetime after lifetime, but everything is available in the moment, how does it feel right now in this moment in relationship to this, and then we start working with this emotion. Wow, fantastic. I'll tell
2: you what, let's take a short commercial break, and when we come back, I want to talk about one of the biggest pivotal moments of your life when you offered to hypnotize your daughter, Jessica, who yes. at this point, fast forward to the future, she is now a typical teenager, and she yes. has, to a teenager, a major concern, and you try to help her with it, and I want to tell the audience about that when we come back, okay? Sure. Okay. Okay. Don't go away, everyone. We'll be right back right after these messages.
0: The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? 1 in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? 1 in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One and 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One and 800,000. The odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org/signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Explore new areas of interest, expand your knowledge, and gain clarity about your life's purpose at the Ocala InterCenter. Affectionately known as OIC, the Ocala InterCenter just two blocks south of Town Square offers workshops, classes, healing meditations, and special events for the Ocala, Gainesville, and
1: Central Florida spiritual community check out our calendar of events at com,
0: And if you're looking for a place for your next workshop or seminar, go to com and give Jean a call.
2: Hello, everyone. We are here with Catherine Agronovich, Ph.D., author of Tales of My Large, Loud Spiritual Family, Finding Peace, Purpose, and Healing in the Chaos of Daily Life. I have to tell you, uh, Catherine, that the title of the book, I... I I didn't expect what I found inside it. What I found inside it was, even though I'm immersed in, in all of these topics, it's just to see your life through your eyes um, was life-changing for me. And I, everyone, if you were to get this book, will walk away with something. And like we said earlier in the show, you don't have to subscribe to a certain religion or belief system. But this is just, it has so much wisdom and healing information interspersed amongst situations that are sad because the Holocaust is involved in concentration camps. It's also frightening at times and distressing, but it's also poignant. There's always something to learn. So I highly recommend the book, absolutely. I appreciate your words. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I wanted to – let's get to Jessica. She's she's a, a an integral part of your journey here. There are several instances with her, but this is the one that really spun your head. She's now a teenager and a typical one. Um, she has a chronic condition now, which I like to refer to as a severe case of rolling of the eyes. Yeah. So that any suggestion and why don't you do this and, you know, we we, we all know how we were at 15 or 13 or right. 15. So she has this condition <laughs> but right. she has a major she has a major concern. she has a math quiz, and right. she's afraid she's going to fail it. So right. you step beyond your reaction to her demeanor and okay. offer to hypnotize her to help her, as you had done once before right. um, with her class, to hypnotize her into believing that she is a good student and capable and sure. can ace this quiz, um, but it, it didn't go the way you expected. Tell us about that experience. It's pretty wild. Yeah,
1: and I've done. I worked with a lot of um, students in the past, college students, and attorneys, and you know, the, the physicians, taking the board exams. So I know the suggestions. We relax the mind, and we just install the software into inner subconscious mind. Or when performing at their greatest capacity, and the mind is sharp, alert, and they're focused, and just information flows easily through them. Mm-hmm. So when I start doing all of that, she just interrupts me, and she announces there is a door, and it begins to open. And I'm sitting there and thinking, is she entering some kind of virtual um, classroom? All right, I'll follow. And then she says, there two beings, they are greeting me by this door, and then she pauses, and then, oh, mom, those are my angels, joy and joy, and this is where my my jaw just dropped, it's like, what angels? So then she takes this journey with her angels inside of their that she calls inside of the rainbow kind of in the heavenly heavenly uh, realms of her consciousness, meeting her spiritual advisor, Kareem. And then she says, why don't you hold my hand? And I hold her hand, and magically I step into her vision, experiencing and observing what she's witnessing there. Mm-hmm. And we spend some time together inside of this magical place, inside of the swirling rainbow, of our mystical vertex, um, kind of exploring this mystical realms of consciousness and receiving messages and insights for each of us. So that was totally shocking and unexpected.
2: Yeah. And when I... Their appearance and... And you were sitting on the floor or just nearby.
1: Yeah, it was in my bedroom and it was rainy and my family was watching some basketball game on TV in a family room and here I am, again, what is real? What do I trust? What is this? Is this a hallucination? What do you mm-hmm. am, what's, what's to do with this? What is, mm-hmm. You know, and as that becoming more and more often, and those visions more and more vivid and distinct, I mm-hmm. had to trust them. They are real. What I'm living here on earth is imagination, perceptions and projections of my human mind.
2: Mm-hmm. But Jessica, really literally kicked that door open for yeah. you and for herself because she had some pretty amazing experiences. And the, the description of of that experience, the way that people looked, and you say it, he looked like Dumbledore. And at yeah, first you were like, what is this, the there. Harry Potter kind of daydream she's having? And right. it's just that he had a long beard. But that, that chapter is especially um, startling because this is where you can't turn back now. You really couldn't. No.
1: You can't. Once you're in, I mean, you can only go higher, but you can't go back down and close that door. You can't. It's not
2: possible. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, soon after that, um, in the book, you arranged the book in a series of chapters, and the chapters move so quickly. There are 24 chapters, and these are very quick, short stories, but they get right to the point about here's what happened, and then this, and then this, and it really takes you up the ladder, uh, shortly yes. after that, you have another son, and he's yes. born with an indigo glow, uh, this magnificent glow around him. What was that like? Could you really see the indigo? Obviously, this is a very important soul coming yes. through to teach. Yes. Tell us about it, Ilan. Ilan. Ilan is, um he's nine
1: now. But the day when he was born, it, it, it just ready your not, before the doctor... A chance to arrive to delivery room he just appeared and i saw i saw this the hour like he was in the bubble of this indigo color bubble and this boy is very special i mean all children are sure. but the way he communicates the things he says mom where is hell where is hell Is is hell a city or a state? He would ask me. Is hell a city or a state? Where is it? Like things like that. He Hmm. sometimes he comes and he just hugs me and says, "I don't want ever to be a war. I don't want people to fight." Like the things he just randomly says. He has nightmares, and I'm in my second book, which is continuation, more stories. of the first book, I start the chapter with one of his visions of intergalactic wars and archangels, and he described it so maturely and vividly to me, what he sees in his dreams. Wow. And he's learning to manage those fears. It frightens him. He's little. You know, he wakes up from these nightmares, and I always empower him, bring them light of God, because it's a supreme source, and it will just absorb any darkness and any fears and any evil around you, and he listens, like to my great delight, he listens. That
2: is is beautiful. This is very
1: special. Yes.
2: Yes, because right after he was born, you ran into a problem. Your husband was trying to spend time with him, take care of him, maybe give you a break. And he didn't want to be with your husband at all. And your husband just decided he hates me. I don't know what to do. So you had to go in and heal this as well between your new son, or rather, let's put them in appropriate terms, the soul of your new son, who is not a matter of months old, but is eons old, and the soul of your husband to heal a rift between them, which is affecting them in this lifetime. What, how did your husband respond when you, tell us what the problem was and how your husband responded to this.
1: My husband actually had a dream because he was so desperate, again, he was so desperate he had to ask me, why don't you do this thing you do with hypnosis so we can see why this kid hates me so much. He was our fourth child. We never had this before. The yeah. second my husband walks in the room, the baby just starts screaming on top of his lungs. And my husband Felix said, Why don't you hypnotize me so we can see what's going on? And I said, Okay when I started hypnotizing him he fell asleep and I'm like, Okay, great, that's you know, fierce. Yes. So I left the room, went to the kitchen and I had a baby monitor on while loading the dishwasher and I heard my husband he actually went in a trance and he saw a vision of past life between him and Elon the where they were enemies. He was like his stepfather Marrying him forcefully to somebody Alain did not want to be married to. And once he realized it, he leaned over his crib and he said, Sweetheart, I'm your daddy. Please forgive me. This is a brand new life, brand new start. I love you so much. Please let me love you. I'm your daddy right now. And these words healed the entire past life drama. Within days, Elan started warming up and allowing and accepting Felix's love. And it's just, the transformation was just so fast and striking.
2: That's amazing. And he he let Felix hold him. He didn't even want him to be,
1: to hold him. Oh, no, him no, no, it, no, he would not.
2: Terrible. Yeah. How heartbreaking. He
1: felt him. He felt his presence. The second Felix would come in the bedroom where his creep was, he was start uh-huh. screaming.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was, it was a pretty bad scene. He made... In the past life, uh, he was his stepfather and forced him to marry. He was in love with somebody but forced to marry someone else. I think it me. I
1: think buddy. he was going to marry me. And oh, then, with you? Yeah. It just gives us this insight how all our in- relationships are truly eternal, and we travel lifetime through lifetime to complete mm-hmm. them, complete those karmic you know, residues between us, dissolve this conflict and darkness between us and move on yeah right
2: it's all different roles. We can be a mother in one lifetime, a sister, a friend, yes a grandchild, or absolutely. a soldier at a concentration camp who helped, absolutely who helped somebody yes. escape, and that was an important discovery because there was that soldier at the concentration camp when your grandmother I mentioned in my introduction, your grandparents were married and had two young boys but They were captured, taken to the concentration camps. Your grandfather wound up fighting in the war, but they were separated for four years, and your grandmother is the only person out of the family to survive the concentration camp, but because of the kind deed of a German soldier who just did what he did, and there was no explanation until you had a past life with someone else in your family who discovered the connection, the whys, and the wherefores. And it just brings to light with such such distinction that yeah. these are the roles that we play. This is not forever. This is just a karmic dance that we're playing. Sometimes right. we want to reinforce a positive relationship. Sometimes we want to heal, as in the case of Elon and your husband. That right. lifetime needed to be healed, and so this family facilitates that healing. Right. But I love... That Elon warmed up to your husband so quickly, but it also warmed your husband up to this process no, and kind of take sure. you by the hand and join you on this journey, and for that I'm glad for. Do you, yeah. Did you ever think he would come around to this and ask, why don't you do that thing you do?
1: I had doubts. I actually had doubts as I was moving forward with my spirituality and awakening, I at some point, I had to realize it could be my journey, but not necessarily his. You know, yes. this is my chance to be to really bring spirituality into my life and uh, practice the principles of unconditional love and acceptance. Who am I to judge when he's supposed to, you know, awaken and become start walking the spiritual path. I right. don't know, you know, it, it, it's my calling, my journey. I cannot control his. And I had to let it go. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult.
2: Yeah. You know, it, it, it reminds me of chasing my husband through the house with your book saying, listen to this. Yeah. Because he has, <laughs> he just has, a, a, he understands and he is open-minded, uh, but he just has no use for reincarnation. I have knowledge of almost 50 of my past lives, and he just nods and smiles politely and says, okay. But I, I literally, like, oh, you have to hear this. This is fantastic. And, yeah. and he did enjoy it. And, um, but the point is, we can't expect our right. spouses, our children to mm-hmm. embrace what we do. We have to have that individuality. But Elon, especially when you went to put him in school, he, obviously this child is an indigo child. There are crystal Mm -hmm. children. There are many, and I would appeal to the audience members. If there's something out of whack, I'll use that phrase, something just a little strange about your child, research indigo children, and there are a lot of children coming to the planet to help the planet heal. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Elon, Catherine's son, is one of them. Learn to recognize your child and their distinct needs because that's what you had to do to raise him in the manner that was right for him like people, all people say, you know, it might not have been the first time being a parent because this is now your fourth child out of five, but it's your right. first time parenting him in this circumstance of this life. But he did remind me of myself when you put him in school and nobody knew what to do with the kid. Right. I was a tough ticket, too.
1: It, exactly, and he spoke the language nobody could understand. He developed a language of his own, and it was extremely frustrating for him and his teacher. He had this lack of communication until he got kind of, you know, absorbed into his environment and started speaking English. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and he's, he's nine years old now. How's he doing?
1: He's doing great. He's doing absolutely wonderful.
2: Great. That's good. Yeah. That's good to hear. I've heard for everyone in this entire, this is four generations of people and it's as you get through the book, you learn how like I said earlier you might have ancestors but it doesn't mean they remain on the other side for all eternity, sometimes they come back to help you, whether it's in your family or somewhere else and we learn who these ancestors become and that's a lot of fun in addition to the spiritual wisdom, it's just a lot of fun to learn this and know that it's real this is this is reality um negativity and war and fighting against peace that's not reality that is simply ego but your husband he started warming up and throughout the story he had met a person who became a business partner victor and also yes. a very close family friend you considered him family but it appears that prior to arriving in this dimension, Victor, your husband's business partner, accepted an important mission to help you both understand forgiveness, and that was very hard. Would you would you have it any other way, knowing now what you know through the experience with Victor and his betrayal of you? No, and your because
1: husband? the the the, the, the he, the darker the past, the, the, you know, the harder the struggle, the brighter the breakthrough. Mm. And I appreciate every moment of this. And my husband also, he's an extremely successful businessman, and we just owe this success to that struggle, that severe, intense contrast that we had to go through. It, it gave us so much knowledge about ourselves and how far we can reach and self-esteem and potential and all of these things. It was mm-hmm. such a multi-angled and dimensional experience for our family.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I yes. definitely I see the great value in that.
2: That's, and you, you can almost feel the hurt, you know, because of the way you oh, write yeah. it. You were definitely betrayed, but through forgiveness, all was healed, and the future became even brighter. That, and the experience you described in the book, this otherworldly experience, is just phenomenal. It's, you have to read this book just to understand, but I want you to kind of understand why we're talking about certain things. And if it's okay with you, Catherine, there is something I would like to read on page 75 that has to do with what we were just talking about. Sure. Would that be okay? Oh, sure, absolutely. Okay, you say, and so, we settle down once more, only this time it's me who can't sleep. And this is after another uh, session with Jessica, who had more past life recalls. My hyperactive mind won't let go. Like a jammed roller coaster, it's continually rerunning all the twists and loops of my grandparent's story until I finally ascend into the overwhelming realization of how mysteriously interwoven and divinely interconnected our paths are. How the actions of each person create a chain reaction affecting people who are not even born yet, people like me. It's as if, without my grandma, Asia's will to survive, that young German soldier's courage and humanity, and the bravery and patriotism of that husband and wife who shelter grandma in their home, if not for all of them, there would be no me. You go on to say, I go over Jessica's simple explanation of how it's we who attach all the meaning and interpretation to everything that happens to us, and how these become our unconscious beliefs. Lenses of perception through which we look at life. Hundreds of those lenses, in fact, created over many years, distorting the sacred truth within. But if I am the one who has sentenced myself to these mental conclusions at some point in my childhood, then now, as an adult, I have the choice to conclude something else. Something which will allow me to taste the delicious sweetness of my well-hidden authenticity. And when this part of me, my authentic being, Maybe even my spirit takes over, my thinking will leap to a higher level. Well said indeed. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Everybody how do you, is a how do we add to spiritual that? Like, we Everybody yeah. is spiritual. Yeah. Everybody is spiritual. And our spirit is our be you know, human being. So being is a spirit wrapped in layers of our human conditioning those lenses of perception, and then the journey becomes to unwrap and release one by one. one. Not all at once. Sometimes we get impatient. How come? Well, you don't want all at once. Very gently, very patiently, one by one, and see this world through the eyes of our spirit.
2: It's it's difficult for the human brain, because it is made of um, material, to process a lot of these revelations. And we do want... We pray for change and then we resist it. There are so many complexities and um, sure. conflicts and polarities. We, we do live in a dualistic world. And, but we have to recognize how we make it that much harder on ourselves. Sure. So once we really decide in our minds, because if we got the information we're really asked for, especially the whys, why did this happen, that's not a question God can answer because I say, um, to my students, when we ask why, what we're really asking is, what did I do to deserve this? Right. Nobody does anything to deserve. It's not about deserving. It's about learning. And your grandparents certainly didn't deserve being torn apart. And right. their two, their two young boys were killed. They lost, yes. they they lost everything. Her sister and the sister's husband. But they did reconnect, and then your mom came into the picture. She was born, and now you. But when we ask why, we're really asking, what did I do to deserve this? And God Mm -hmm. can't answer that. But he can say what this is for. Typically, I say all paths lead to forgiveness. It will lead to healing, and that is what it's for.
1: And I think this is for children like Elan coming into this life and refusing to fight and saying... I don't want to fight. I don't want it to be a war. For the generation to learn from our past, coming with a strong desire to live in peace. Mm. And so that's, that's why it's their so their important.
2: Purpose. It's yeah. important that you're his parent so that you can help mold and shape this young man to live out his destiny and do what he came here to accomplish. Right.
1: Oh, they molding mm. me all the time. They are molding me. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> sure. You're all learning together, but you had a a very impressive experience. There's another message of what I like to call spiritual maturity on page 76 where you're in a battle with your ego and you can literally feel the power of the negative thoughts and what you want and what should happen and what should be versus
0: Mm -hmm. um,
2: spirit, shall we say. You had a pretty amazing experience. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh, with Archangel Metatron?
2: Yes. Could you tell us about that experience and not so much tell us the whole story, but tell us who Mm -hmm. Metatron is and what you came out of the experience with.
1: He came as this extremely powerful energy. And this power sent intense chills down my spine. My, My entire physiology and my mind was possessed by this power. The main message I received from him appearing into my vision that we are here always, each of us, loved and supported by another dimension. We are not alone doing what we came here to do. We are always guided, loved, and supported every moment of the time. It's our job to open up our human mind and allow this guidance and support and love of heavens into our physical experience and that's the message he gave me and then he left me with a little gift a small diamond when I woke up which was just made me realize that I do believe in miracles I do believe the power greater than my mind and and the mind, human brain, the mind becomes instrument of this power I can Mm -hmm. use it to create good deeds in this world. So in Judaism, I remember years ago we studied with our rabbi uh, mystical Kabbalah, and he mentioned Metatron is um, left and right arm of God, and he uh, is mediator of peace and love with humanity. He is a spiritual guard and a source of awakening and protector of children, a new generation coming in this world to deliver peace and love on child planet. And he certainly felt like this supreme source of love and great compassion and understanding. There was no tint of judgment. And this is how when I meditate, when I ask myself about an issue I'm facing, how do I know the difference if it's my mind telling me or my spirit telling me the answer by the way it makes me feel. And Metatron gave me this insight of this warm, loving, encouraging, and supportive feeling. When the heavens speaking to me, it always feels good. Mm. When my mind is giving opinion, it always feels dragging me down and negative. Mm-hmm. So now I have this choice, my free will, who am I going to listen?
2: Do
1: I want conflict
2: or do I want peace? Yeah, yeah. Mm. You
1: know, yeah. Or even facing any issue, what should I do about this? Something's happening, like, you know, every day something's happening its life. And what what should I do about this? How do I handle this? And we're always guided, always. The answer is always there. And it's our job to tap into this answer by calming our mind and trusting the guidance coming from within us. But the answer is always there and the guidance support and love and reassurance and that's what metatron's presence let me in into this I could feel it I didn't read yeah. about it I could feel it I could experience it
2: and it's, it's so powerful and I've, I've had a number of experiences similar I have not had an experience with Metatron um, but I a lot of new names They're they're not really new but more and more people are becoming aware of entities like Metatron and other uh beings whose job it is to assist us and educate us and right. help us feel and experience that level of peace so that we can carry it with us and share it with others um, right. you even as, as you woke up after that experience um, you wondered if it really happened and weren't totally convinced until you went to get out of bed and the diamond that he left behind as a little physical gift for you fell out of your hand then yeah. you you picked it up and looked at it and said okay you have no choice but to go with the reality that you did experience that that it is real and right. that it and is that part is of you more. yeah there is
1: indeed more
2: yeah. absolutely and you made the diamond into a pendant Yes. Do you, do you still wear it every day?
1: I'm touching it right now. Yeah, I'm touching oh, it right wow. now.
2: Yeah. I had, if, for people who don't understand, it's um, it's an interesting phenomenon when spirit creates a physical object as a gift for us. Um, it happens in many different ways. I had, a, I had, she wasn't really a client, but just in casual conversation with someone I was attending a workshop with, I wound up having to give her a reading and her mother had passed away. So I wound up connecting with her mother, and I told the woman, you need to look in your handbag. And she said, why? I said, you need to look in your handbag, dig towards the bottom, but be very careful it will be hot. But your mother put something in your handbag for you, like a gift. Yeah. And she's like, what? With the skepticism, which is healthy, that's fine, I just, but sure. just go into your handbag. And it was very warm, and she pulled it out, and it was a gold heart that did not belong to her. But it was Mm -hmm. now in her handbag. So with the manifestation of matter um, as placed for us through spirit, it's a very um, unique experience. It's a very inspiring experience. And it's something that you can't, like you say in the book, once you know, you can't go back to a previous Mm -hmm. way of thought. You just can't do it. So I'm happy that you have the pendant. It's a beautiful gift for your, shall we say, for your trouble. (laughs) Nice reward. Nice
1: reward. Great taste. exactly i <laughs> yeah. exactly.
2: I'll, I'll take it no problem exactly yeah. oh my God, because it I just it's it's kind of funny, but you really did go from an atheist to this high yeah. level of wisdom and trust, and that's a huge deal, and you have a lot to teach people but yeah. i I love the ending of the book is fantastic, and and I know you're coming out with the next book, but by chapter seventeen and eighteen, now the entire family's in on this. And spirit breaks through once again with their warnings and their wisdom. They want your parents to sell their house. That's a very cool story. But tell us about your New Year's Eve like no other. Um, Just a little bit about the experience, which, of course, Jessica kicks the door open again, and you have another experience.
1: Yeah, well, for Russians, New Year's, it's a huge deal, We put up the tree. This is when we do gift exchange. This is a family tradition, and my kids love it. They have whole family coming, a lot of food, and uh, so all of this gift. So we go to sleep really late. We watch some Russian TV show and concert, and we dance. So we went to bed, and my husband fell asleep. And as soon as I doze off, I hear this voice, help her. And I'm like, what? Help her. And my mind has no chance. I am just yanked into this vision, and I see this woman uh, giving birth to twins somewhere in Chicago, from what I understand. And I am somehow energetically assisting her to deliver these twins, boy and girl. Next to the twins, the babies, I see the ghosts, the spirits of my grandparents. <laughs> and I see them entering the emergence from this woman's birth canal, immersion baby, I see the spirits entering the body and the guardian angel hugging them, hushing them down and welcoming this new soul in the body into this world. So once my mission is accomplished, I'm just back into my comatose sleep. And then my daughter wakes me up in the morning, and she's screaming. I saw a vision. I saw this dream. You're not gonna believe it. And I'm suspecting. Oh yes, I will. I saw one too. And she tells me she saw grandma coming and taking her to the future and saying goodbye because her and grandpa are gonna reincarnate. So we're sitting there, uh, you know, on the family room couch, and everybody's still asleep, and amongst this food and unwrapped presents and all of Mm -hmm. this, you know, and we're exchanging these mystical visions and dreams. And then my mom comes, and I had a huge headache, just hangover or whatever, headache. And she said, "Let, let me do some Reiki. She does Reiki healing. And she takes me to the room, and she does this Reiki. And I feel this extreme wave of chill, this energy, freezing chill. And my mom is feeling it also. And we both sense it's somebody special coming and giving us another message. So it's just, at at some point, you have to accept it as normality. This is normal. Mm. Like, you know, you stop freaking out, you do freak out. But then you you, you have to realize this is normal and it's okay. And you have to welcome these experiences into your life, you know, kind of integrate it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that, that. Took some time, but once you accept it, it's it, it, it's okay. It becomes fun. It becomes actually fun playing. That, on way, it, side it
2: that way, it's not a shock, but you never you never cease to be amazed at the way yeah. the myriad it's ways the spirit yeah helps us. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, there's no fear. It's just wonder. You know, there's no fear. You're just wondering. Oh my goodness, who is this, and what's the message? What can I learn from this? What's the you know? There's no fear.
2: Mm, i ha- I have to ask you because and you can choose not to answer it if you want
1: um, <coughs> I'll go ahead <laughs> I, I don't
2: I don't know all that but you mentioned you have another book coming out. um I would uh love it if there were information about indigo children for people to learn and and all that all that you plan to add from from this story uh but obviously, your grandparents said goodbye to Jessica and said, we're not, going to, yeah. we're not going to be able to come see you anymore. Yeah. And she knew why, and, and you already knew. You helped with the birthing process and, and observed as they climbed into the human vehicle that were a set of twins. Yeah. I would have, uh, did you plan to in the future, or did you go and, and or look up the birth records for that day? You know, you I, kind of I, I want
1: to... Because, see, the grandma gave a message that she's going to marry one of my boys. Yeah. So I'm going to wait and see.
2: You, okay. <laughs> and
1: harass the bride, harass the I, poor bride she awakening and remembers who she really is. You know, I'm kind great. of going to wait and see on that end.
2: Okay. I just wanted to know yeah. where you were going to go with it because me, I would have gotten the birth records and hired a private detective. Not scared the kid. You're so funny. <laughs> don't follow her through her piano lessons or her ballet class. Just leave her alone and let her live her life. But I would yeah. be so curious. I don't think I would be able to stop myself. And then, that's funny. And then, you know, just to have your son come home and say, "Oh, I met this girl. Really, What's she likes, son? But it's she from? You know? Yeah, yeah. Chicago. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, that would that's what they just. We'll have, to, yeah. we'll have
2: to check in, Elon's No, okay. We'll have to check in in about ten years. We'll do another segment. Okay. Okay.
1: We'll do that. Yeah, that sounds
2: awesome. I just love. It's such a wonderful story, filled with moments that we can all connect to, and filled, filled with wonderment at the human experience. And it, I, I love encouraging people to study these things. What, whatever resonates with you. If reincarnation does not, that is fine. What you believe is right for you. And, but whatever part of this conversation, I do hope you enjoyed it, whatever you are inspired to look into or study, go ahead and do that. Take what resonates with you. Discard what doesn't, and you will find your way. You are on the path. You just have to kind of help row the boat. Let's, sort of, let's say that because now I'm getting a boat image, so I have to describe it. But just help row your boat. I wanted to give you a little more information about Catherine. In addition to your healing practice, Catherine, you're a frequent contributor, help me if I mispronounce this, to Chabad.org? Chabad. Chabad. Chabad, oh, oh, Chabad. okay. So could you tell us what that is and how you contribute? I did look into it. Um, it's yes. a really terrific organization. But tell the listeners um, what that is.
1: This is just a religious uh, Hasidic uh, movement of Judaism and something I connect to very deeply, teachings of Lubavitch's Rebbe uh, based on Kabbalic uh, mysticism. And um, I start writing articles, like a small stories for Chabad.org after my mikvah, which is highly religious uh, ritual of uh, purification and elevation of female. After this experience, I start writing for Habalat.org, and I enjoy doing so. And I get wonderful feedbacks from people around the world about the articles and insights. And the newest just got published last month about our 25th wedding anniversary. We decided to do hupa. Yeah, it's a
2: congratulations uh, by the way. Oh, Yeah, it was a beautiful ceremony. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Something
2: you we never experienced. You renew, renew your vows.
1: Exactly, but it was deeper meaning for us because we never experienced um, spiritual aspect of marriage ceremony back in Russia. It was a civil ceremony at a city hall. You know, very strict and stern official. You sign in the paper. You're not allowed to smile, and there is no spirituality. So here in America, I decided that would be so much fun to. To you have the spiritual ritual, and it, it, everybody was just, they loved it. They just loved it. It was such a great experience for the whole family and our friends.
2: Yeah, yeah and the pic- the picture was beautiful of the Hopa. Ah, I was just so excited for you that you had that, especially when yes. you explained that you did get married at City Hall, which I think everybody yes. deserves um, a, right. a day that, they, um, that meets with their preferences and desires. But you mentioned the mikvah ceremony, and that... Um, we've mentioned four of your children, but the mikveh ceremony is actually what helped bring forth your fifth child. Right. And very how special. old is the baby now? He's
1: five. He's five years old and just a sweetheart, such a sweet, sweet boy, oh. very, very sweet boy.
2: But yeah. apparently um, spirit was letting you know that another baby had to come through and you resisted and so did your husband. But oh, he yeah. had a pretty cool experience where he finally said, okay, you know, yeah. it, you both had to say, okay, let's have this baby. And so you did, but it was this very important process that you had to go through. Um, it's kind of it was very comical in a way, but very um, astounding in <laughs> another. But I have yeah. a funny question to ask you. Yes. I, you you since, you're early, since you married, you met your husband at 18 years old. You move to the United States when you're 21. You want to be a doctor. You keep putting off med school. And now that you have your PhD, you are technically a doctor. But all these kids keep arriving to provide a staccato rhythm to your life, even no matter what you did to prevent it. So my question for you, dear Catherine, is, so how do you feel about birth control, the effectiveness or lack thereof of birth control?
1: Well, when the state takes over, it controls the body. My daughter was born with IUD. Okay. I was on birth control, and my doctor checked me like two months prior. I got pregnant with my daughter, and she said everything is perfect. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. Two months later, my IUD came out on its own.
2: <laughs> I've never heard of that before.
1: Uh, yeah, me, yeah, neither did I. And um, that's it. So when, when it's meant to be, when the soul decides this is the time, uh-huh. You know, this baby has to born it overrides the effectiveness of birth control from my experience mm-hmm. not to scare anybody
2: <laughs> it's, it's all in spirit it's, you know it's, it's all you know what's but meant also, to be if it's meant
1: baby? to be you'll be happy you'll be pleased and satisfied not to be yes. afraid of this unknown twist if it's meant to be and everything is really meant to be right
2: Yes.
1: it's going to lead to something so great and so fulfilling and satisfying so it's just something to be looking forward to and embrace and be joyful yep. and excited about yeah and
2: and those are the magic words if it's meant to be whether it's something that you want or something that you don't want if it's meant to be even you can't mess it up and you can't exactly. prevent it you, you cannot can. and you will
1: you will always succeed it's inevitable you will succeed if you meant to, you were born to succeed and you're guided mm-hmm. to succeed it's just a matter of your human preference how long you're willing to endure suffering but you know it's a, it's a free will choice
2: Yes. it's just one <laughs> of the one of the humorous aspects of the book is that your um your your response to your husband i guess for at least the last three children where yes. it, if if there was a question of pregnancy you were like are you crazy birth control, mm. hello, and then whatever, like you just described, IUDs flying out.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: Um, I know. Birth control pills and then vision. They and, fail, yeah. <laughs> you know, corny massage therapist. Oh, there's yeah. a baby in your auric field, and it's right. just, it, it, that's the comical side of it. Oh, right. especially that one part where you were, you were getting there, but you had to, we all need to verify you know, we do want to uh, trust spirit, but we are human, and we just want to verify. So you set up a weekend where you have, yeah. I love your friend Cynthia, the psychic. She's fantastic. Yeah. But you set yeah. up a reading, and then you set up this other session, and then you set up something this with... Like shamanic
1: something, Hispanic, shamanic, shamanic.
2: witch doctor yeah. had me hysterical laughing.
1: Yeah. And
2: then to re-verify you go back to Cynthia on Monday, that was a fantastic experience. But when you got to the part about that shamanic guy... And you yeah. show up at his house, and the, the tools that he reached for to do his little session on you, you just, <laughs> oh, my God, just had me laughing hysterical. Because yeah. maybe depending on the depth of your exploration, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, with this type of stuff, you might have met somebody in your journey where you got um, up and ran out the door as well, because I know I did. And oh. you just reminded me of that experience, and I laughed so hard with that, just the visual. Yeah fantastic yeah. story, and the way you wove it together was just beautiful on all levels, on PEMS levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. You wove it together, and it's very inspiring. I highly recommend it, and I'd like you all to go to Catherine's website, which is AchieveHealthCenter.com, because in addition to all of this stuff, bringing in five children and raising them, taking care of her husband and losing some valuable individuals in her life in the process, she created her own healing center. Tell us where it is. And the website, again, is achievehealthcenter.com. And tell us all that you offer.
1: Yeah, what I do is medical hypnotherapy or spiritual hypnotherapy. I meet the person where he is. I work with um, UCI. It's an um, integrative medical clinic at University of UCI, California. And um, they refer a lot of patients to me. And um, so we do hypnosis to reframe the thinking, and clutter the mind, and free this source of well-being, the, the inner being within, and shine the light of healing. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily use these words because most people come with medical issues referred by physicians. I just meet them where, where they are based on their beliefs. But really it doesn't matter. Once I get them close enough to their core, they experience the healing. And they realize that they are spiritual also. I also do reconnective healing energy. It's this powerful um, frequency coming through my hands for a few years now, and it heals people. And I've seen miracles with this work. And um, Eric Pearl, Dr. Eric Pearl, he's the one who discovered those frequencies. But mm-hmm. myself going through my transformation they start they found me the energy also found me and started coming through me and I use it with my clients. I use this um energy healing work on them excellent. Uh, and my the idea is I empower them. It's not like I'm the healer, I cure you, I heal you. I want to empower them. I want them to take it on and know that they hold it within, that the healing, that the strength and freedom and choice and power is within them. And my job to educate and guide them to the source within themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So th- that's the process. That uh, we go through
2: we are only the facilitators of healing, so we do not do things per se ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us real quickly uh, before we go, what are some of the revelations and results that you 've seen in your patients through these mm-hmm. two modalities i've
1: seen i 've seen diabetes disappear i 've seen well, those are the biggest one. I mean, smoking sure.
2: and weight
1: and fears. I mean, those are the simple ones; they just go away. But I've seen diabetes. I've seen women with infertility. She lost her periods when she was uh, little because she had she went underwent uh, chemotherapy due to cancer in her childhood. Her periods resumed, and she got pregnant. Wow. Um, yeah, I've seen uh, gallbladder the stones melt away and disappearing
2: the stones Goldstone? and gold blood okay good yeah yeah restoring of the vision such mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah but it's really it's really not it's it's just god is the healer when they close to god it heals my job get them close enough to god by there you go moving those layers of beliefs yeah then it's just common sense right
2: Yes, yeah, and the body once to heal it knows how to do it. Only we can block yeah. it with our The mind.
1: cells of the body programmed to be healthy, to be well, and once Absolutely. A knife, enough life force pouring through them, they restore their integrity and well-being on its own. This is what something this is something they are programmed to do, to stay healthy.
2: Absolutely. I say this with a smile. It's pretty hard to believe you were once an atheist.
1: <laughs> yeah. Really really Great. good and close minded and really powerful atheist. Yeah. Yeah. I did not want to leave my country. This is my country and this is what I believe and this is it. Yeah. You know.
2: But you you did leave your country at the insistence of your husband's intuition. You right. come to the United States, you didn't know a word of English, and yet in a short amount of time, you kinda of got the hang of it and you were flipping other drivers the bird just as effectively as if you were born here. Bravo. Yep.
0: Bravo yeah, still monster. do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> still yeah. having fun with that. Yeah. Yeah, it, you, you got. You had some pretty colorful language in here. thats just, it's adorable. It, I just think it's funny because I think it's Thanks. great to be spiritual, but it's really cool to be down to earth and be able to speak. Or write the way you think and you, that gotta you, that you you pull that you got to see
1: yourself. See, sometimes people have these misconceptions. So if you're spiritual, you don't say bad words, you know. But there's no such thing as But It's just language, and you've you got to let go of. For me, it was just complete freedom of being self-expressed, no matter mm-hmm. how it comes out. hmm I was just free to express what I want to say. And those words, they just highly charged with emotion, and they just yes. get the point, and that yeah. was important. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's, it's important to keep your chakras healthy so you don't want to overuse it, but sure. sometimes there's no other way to describe something than the word that is appropriate for the situation. And right. I myself feel that I will do that anyway, and I will eat the karma, because that is a taste I am quite familiar with. <laughs> so Right. I use language that's appropriate for the situation, hopefully without going overboard. Certainly not on the show too often, but I do allow guests to be themselves and speak freely. I I can't tell you how excited I am that we finally got to talk about this. I've read the book weeks ago, so I've been so looking forward to this, and I hope you had a great time on the show.
1: It has been wonderful. I really enjoyed it tremendously. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. Again, everyone, the name of the book Tales of My Large, Loud, Spiritual Family, Finding Peace, Purpose, and Healing in the Chaos of Daily Life. Catherine Agranovich, Ph.D., ladies and gentlemen. The website, AchieveHealthCensor.com. Also, the book is available on Amazon and also my website.
1: Absolutely. All the best to you.
2: You I too, dear. everything you do. Okay, God God
1: you bless. take care.
2: Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That is our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.